Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, C-suite executive turned leadership coach. And today we are talking about adding value in a new way. And as leaders, you move up in roles and responsibility and the way you contribute to your team and organization changes. So there's an adjustment that needs to be made. It's kind of like the concept of what got you here won't get you there. You can't just do more of what you were doing before to be successful at the next level. So we'll go over when this happens, some common places it trips people up if they're not aware. We'll go through some examples, and then we'll go through some ways you can make sure you're moving along this upward trajectory and being able to shift gears almost like in a car when you reach the point where you need to do something new. All right, so we'll start out with this first example, which is an IC to first-time manager, an individual contributor to a first-time manager. And I'm starting with this one because it's first sequentially in your career, and it's also the most straightforward to explain this concept. So we'll spend a little bit of time here just to get that down. So let's say that Samantha is a CSR and she processes tickets all day long. So she's a customer service representative on a client services team and she's taking inbound phone calls and responding to emails and maybe it's coming through an internal ticket processing system um, and she's doing that all day long. And she's a top performer in this CSR role. So what are some of the things that she does to be a top performer? She probably is efficient at processing the tickets. She's probably accurate, so a one-call or one-touch resolution. Maybe she gets high client satisfaction survey scores, so the little, like, smiley face, frowny face at the end of an email ticket or a one through five rating at the end of a phone call, things like that. She gets high scores on that. And let's say that she does 50 tickets a day. So 50 tickets a day for this example is really good. So there's Samantha. She's doing her 50 tickets a day efficiently, accurately. She's keeping customers happy. And that's how she adds value. Okay. Then let's say Samantha gets promoted. And now she's the manager of this customer service team. So let's say the department has five teams and she's in charge of one of those teams. And so now Samantha's got 10 people doing what she did in the CSR role. If Samantha just did her 50 tickets a day, would she be adding value in the best way in her new role? No. No, of course not. What should she be doing? Well, a myriad of other things. She could be training new hires and working on the onboarding process. She could be teaching her existing 10 people the tips and tricks that she did to be the best at the job. She could be sitting next to each one of them, shadowing them and giving custom feedback. She could she could be helping with escalation cases and exception tickets. She could be having one-on-ones with her team members and checking in on how they're doing. She could be collecting and looking at team metrics and looking for process improvements across the entire team. She's probably in team meetings with her boss or perhaps with some of the other five managers and talking about best practices and process changes for the entire department. And once those are discussed and agreed upon, relaying that information back to her 10 team members, she could be in leadership meetings across the organization in an entirely different department. So let's say she's chosen to be a proxy for client services to the product team. So there's been a new product launch and passing feedback to the product team um, from what they're hearing from direct customers is part of her job. And she's able to do that because she's aware and knowledgeable from the discussions she's had with her 10 team members. She's been in the team meetings with her boss and the other five leaders. So she's able to uh, represent her team well and advocate for them and be the voice of the customer internally. So doing that, part of her job is helping the company develop a better product. 
So you can see the way Samantha added value in her IC role doing the 50 tickets is much different, is wildly different than how she adds value in her manager role. All right, so hopefully that made sense and kind of level set us on what we're talking about here. What are some other places this happens? It happens when you're managing a manager for the first time. So you're no longer, um, you don't have a direct team. You, you oversee and are ultimately accountable for a team or department, but you're not in the day-to-day -day management of it. And it kind of goes to this notion of I'm directly responsible versus I'm, I'm overall accountable to it. And there was this example I heard once, which explained this point really well, which is um, if I'm in charge of mowing five lawns for like a summer job and uh, I have to mow, mow, <laughs> I have to mow five lawns a day and that's fine. I know how to do that. I have all day. I have the equipment. I know which ones to do first. I know how to cut each one to get it just right. That's no problem. But then I take this thing on full time and I get moved to being in, being in charge of mowing 500 lawns a day. Well, I can't possibly do that myself. Mathematically, no one can mow 500 lawns a day, so they have to get people to help them. They have to get more equipment. They have to get scheduling and process down. They have to communicate and coordinate with the, the people who own the houses to you know, say, which day do you want your lawn mowed? All of that stuff. And so it moves from... I'm responsible for these five lawns getting mowed to I'm accountable for the lawns getting mowed. So I mowed the lawns versus the lawns got mowed. Okay, so next inflection point this typically happens is when you're leading a department with a functional area you're not familiar with. So let's say that several years down the line, Samantha is now VP of operations and she has come through the client services route, so she's very familiar with the inner workings of CS. But in operations in this company, which I'm about to make up, operations includes account management and an integrations team. So account management, let's just say you, you get an account manager for a strategic account, and they're your main point of contact for big picture items, for contract items, for doing the QBRs, the quarterly business reviews, and all that good stuff. And CS is the day-to-day -day tickets and the day-to-day -day little tweaks to things. And integrations team maybe is necessary for a subset of accounts where um, uh, a third-party vendor is required to make a technical integration with your platform. So, okay, she's in this new role, this VP of operations role. What's required here? Where should the focus be or where should the focus shift to? I would say it should focus to things like communication and interpersonal skills and building those bridges across the different team functions and making sure information flow is good throughout the department. So is it flowing up? Is it flowing down? Is it flowing across the way it needs to be? Are people resourced correctly? Do they have what they need to do their jobs well? Samantha's time management and organization and prioritization needs to come up a level because now she has this broader scope where she has to manage all these different um, teams, not just the client services one. And then developing others. So looking across your department and saying, where is their untapped potential? When you've got three teams like that, you will undoubtedly have untapped potential. So really being um, focused and encouraging your direct reports to look for untapped potential in their teams and look for untapped. One important point here is don't get pulled into, oh, I must know everything about account management and I must know everything about integrations now. 
So Samantha can't backfill, you know, the five, seven, 10 years, whatever it got her to be a VP of operations. She can't go back and get the experience of being in the client service team day in and day out. She can't just get that with a snap of her finger. She can't try really hard and know that much more about account management integrations. And she doesn't need to be. Um, You need to know enough to manage it. You don't need to know enough to be a subject matter expert in all of the technical pieces. And this this reminds me of a client I had, um, a client I had a while back, and we'll we'll call her Amanda. But she came to me and she was just scared. She felt insecure and she was worried and anxious about not knowing as much as her team. And she had been put over a marketing team. And she said, I did, I don't have a marketing background. I didn't go to school for marketing. I don't have a marketing experience. And she felt like an imposter. And she said, Emily, how can I get up in front of my team? and say I'm their leader when they know more than me. I can't even help them if they have a problem. And we talked through some of the things that you and I just did, and I you know, got to asking, you know, like, why do you think you got promoted to this role? And she said, she par- I'll paraphrase, she said, well, I'm good with people. Um, I help problem solve. If there's an issue, I mean, I could talk to anybody and help figure it out. And I'm known in the company for, I'm known in the company for having a high degree of figure it outness. She said, I have a high degree of figure it outness. By the way, if you have a team member with a high degree of figure it outness, you keep them close by. Because some of these things you can't teach, some of this X factor stuff you can't teach. So recognize and reward it when you see it. But she said, I can figure it out. And she listed all these things, boom, 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 boom. And at the end, I said, funny, you didn't mention running an individual ad campaign once, yet that's what you seem to be concerned about. So, you know, is that really what you were hired to do to run more campaigns? And she, we got into it and she said, no, no, no. Like, okay, I, I, I understand. I'm there to manage the team. I'm, I need to know enough to manage the process. And then we got into talking about how you show up, how you show up to your team if you're thinking that you're an imposter versus being genuine in what you know and what you don't know and being transparent about that and even how it would feel on the receiving end. If you saw someone stand in front of you and you were you could tell they were trying to hide something or they were trying to prove something or they were being fake about something versus having someone say, hey, I'm in charge of this team. I you know, might not have a lot of background in this area, but I'm here to support you. I want to learn. I'm doing these things to learn about this, uh, this technical piece, this marketing piece on my own. If you have any suggestions for resources that I could look into, that'd be great. I'd love to sit with you and shout out you to see what you're doing. Um, and just to, just to give them that respect and say, I'm trying to know about what you're doing, but not so far as to say, I'm going to stop everything else I'm doing and learn which buttons to push in you know, Google ads to make this thing go or like the bid strategy we have for this specific campaign. Uh, Amanda's job was to manage the team and set her team up for success. So people process and tools. And, you know, she had great ideas for actual campaigns. I remember talking with her saying, you know, she wanted to do this, this, and this. She knew what customers resonated with and how she would talk to customers and get them excited about something. And she was like, I have ideas about how to translate that into an ad campaign. And I know what part of the market to segment and, and target with that. And I was like, Oh my goodness, like you've you've got, you know, you might not have a marketing degree, but you've got some great marketing chops and some great ideas. And I think that will, you know, if you're talking about that sort of things with your team, they'll get really excited and they don't, they won't care that you won't have the specific technical knowledge. And you'll be able to help them figure stuff out. Even if you don't know it, you'll be able to ask the questions they need to be asked or get them a resource they need or connect them with someone who can help. She was sure by the end of that, she was sure she was able to do those things. 
Um, and one thing I did share with her it, that really clicked things into place was this notion from Scott Eblen's book, Next Level. And he has a cool little chart in his book. And it depicts that as you move up, the amount of time you should spend on technical skills goes down. And the amount of time and energy you should spend on leadership skills goes up. And I explained that to her. And I said, what comes up for you when I say that? And I paused. And I remember she thought about it. And then her face lit up and she smiled and she said, that makes so much sense because if our CEO was trying to set up Facebook ads, I'd be like, what are you doing? And she says, that makes so much sense. And I could just see the relief and just tension kind of melt away from her shoulders. And she smiled and she realized she was good at her job and she was exactly where she needed to be. And she had all the tools that she needed. And she also knew where to focus her time and energy, which she felt at ease with. So um, anyway, all to say that sometimes when we get to these inflection points, it's very tempting to say, oh, I need to know everything about my new area. So let me like deep dive and rabbit hole in these areas. And you should have a working knowledge of those things, but you don't need to be the 10, 15 years experience technical expert. I know everything about each one of these things backwards and forwards. So know enough to manage it and then don't overly burden yourself and overly stress out about the things that you don't need to know about. Okay, so we went on a little bit of a tangent there, but let's see, where, where were we? We were at, um, Samantha was VP. Okay, Samantha was VP. Let's say now Samantha is really kicking butt and she makes it to um, COO, so Chief Operating Officer. She's in charge of all of operations. Um, and at C-level, this, this is just a different game. This is just a different thing altogether. And you really need to be a generalist and know how the business works overall. You got to know how the business works and comes together and how to bring all the pieces of it together. It is very much about relationships. So relationships with people and investing time and energy there to develop those and make those strong. It's just the bedrock and cornerstone of everything you're going to do. Also a big focus on being strategic and focusing on the big picture stuff. So it's not trying to put out the latest fire or trying to be reactionary to things. It is being intentional about being proactive and saying, okay, I need to keep my, my vision up here at this level. And I need to be aware of what's happening down here, but I need to trust the people I have in place to do what needs to be done and stay out of their way. I've got to do what I can do in my role and what only I can do in my particular role. You're also framing conversations and decisions. So you're a decision framer all day long. So it might not be about having the right answer. Sure, there's going to be times where you're the ultimate decision maker and you have to come up with an answer. But a lot of the times, it's how you tee up a conversation and how you start something, how you frame something for someone else or for your team at a team meeting saying, okay, hey, hey, here, here's how I'm going to frame this up. And I want us to have a meaningful discussion about how to get to the best answer together. You are also shaping and designing culture all day long. So you are constantly attending, uh, tending to, attending and tending to that all day long. So you can do that with intentional programs and things you have in your business. You are also doing that, by the way, by how you show up. By how you show up, by how you treat people. People take their cues from their leaders. People are watching you, whether you know it or not. People are paying attention to if you hold your head down in a certain way or if you make a certain facial expression listening to the words you say, but more so they're listening to how, what your body language is saying and what you're conveying with your countenance and temperament and tone and how you treat them. So you're shaping and designing culture all day long, whether you like it or not. Okay, so Samantha has come a long way from her 50 tickets a day. It's no longer about the tickets. It's no longer about 
how efficient or accurate she is on those tickets. Um, it's about these different elements of leadership, of high-level leadership. And I've had personal experience with this. Early in my career, I was very time-bound and production-focused. And a good day was a busy day. And if I could show you the before and after metrics of something that I did, like clearly before and after, here's where I did this many things, that, that made me feel good. And working more was better. So working more equaled working harder equals I'm better equals I'm more valuable. And as I got into VP roles and chief of staff, it was very much the quality of interactions I was having, the quality of a result or outcome, the quality of a decision I made. It, it, was, it was not time bound. It was not how many things I did or how many meetings I was in, even though I was in a lot. That wasn't the point. It could have been a five-minute conversation with our CEO that was meaningful and helped him think about something he hadn't thought of before. And that could be the most valuable thing I did all day. It could be seeing across the departments, across the company, oh, I know sales thinks operations has this, this one thing. I know operations thinks sales is going to do it, and I know it's going to drop. So my job is to coordinate that and make sure the ball doesn't drop for the company as a whole. And that's how I added value. So there's lots of different ways to think about value add. All right, quick recap here. The way you contribute and add value changes as you move into different roles. And the things that we want to focus on or invest in changes as well. Um, things like, and, and honestly, these things that I'm going to list here are good for any level or any role you're in, but they become more and more important as you um, move up. So people skills. So learn about people, be curious about people, engage with them and build a great team around you. Communication skills. Um, there's lots to read, lots to, to listen to about this. Communication skills, invest in getting good at communicating. And that doesn't mean necessarily public speaking. It means communicating with uh, different kinds of people. So understand that not everyone communicates like you do. Not everyone likes to be communicated like you do. So make sure your message is landing in the way you intend. And that goes back to people skills and learning about people. Then I would say prioritization. So you can't go wrong with being good at prioritization. And uh, as you move up, you're going to have more and more things on your plate that you're going to have to prioritize and triage through. And so being really clear about your own priorities for yourself is going to help you. And then as a leader, helping the team be clear on the team's priorities so the individual team members know how to spend their time is really helpful um, to them as well. The last one is just culture design. So culture design is going to be a big theme in this show because it's just so important and people overlook it. They're like, I did culture. Check, check, done. I did that for the year, like this one thing. No, no, no. You got to be cognizant of it and intentional about it and keep a pulse on it always. And you should take pride in it. You should be proud of the culture that you develop. And if you don't have a good culture, you sh that should bother you. And you, you should say, okay, this is my top priority to make sure that we have a different culture for our team members and for our people. And I love the quote. I forget who says it at the minute, but it says, it says, culture eats strategy for lunch. And so you can have the best strategy. You can have the best plan all day long. But if you don't have a good culture, if you don't have that environment that people feel comfortable and confident and capable um, and thrive in, you're not going to get anywhere. Okay, so takeaways, two quick takeaways in the form of questions. First one, ask yourself where you are in this process, where you are in this trajectory or evolution. Um, it could be, you know, your career phase, your position title, what role or job function you're in. Um, where are you in this process? The second question is ask yourself what is needed most in your current position. So how do you add the most value in your current role? Keep both of those questions in mind as an ongoing conversation with yourself or with others as a, as a colleague or a boss or a coach. It does warrant checking back in on and revisiting because it'll change over time. 
All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I love talking about this stuff. So um, thank you for checking out Leveraging Leadership and I will see you next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 